Welcome to FinTech Brews and News, brought to you by Central Payments and Falls FinTech. I'm Nikki Rohde. And I'm Trent Sorby. Founders, co-founders, payments professionals, and, well, just people who love brews. This is a place to get a behind-the-scenes look at unique partnerships and ways to bridge the financial gap between banking, startups, and the entire fintech industry. Whether it's a beer, or coffee, or something else, there's certain to be a brew in every episode. After all, how do we function in this space without it? Each episode, you're sure to take away some good stuff going on in the financial technology space. So without further ado, let's grab a brew. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of FinTech Brews and News. I'm Nikki Rohde. And I'm Trent Sorby. And today, like a lot of other episodes, we have guests that join us. And today we have a very special guest, Sherry Thornsberry. Welcome to the show. Well, thank you. I'm happy to be here. It's so great. Um, you are Senior Consultant at ROIG Group. So for the sake of the audience, talk about what ROIG Group is, what does it stand for, and how did this company come to be? And why are you in Sioux Falls, South Dakota? Dakota. Yeah, of all places. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know because I love negative temperatures and all the snow. Yeah. All right. <laughs> you know, I live in California, so I haven't seen snow for a while. So I decided to, you know, take a little trip to Sioux Falls now. So just a little bit. So my role at ROIG is I'm actually the practice lead for the financial services and payments division. Um, it's a relatively new practice that we started about a year and a half ago. So ROIG has been in business for some time now, now small boutique consulting firm based in Minneapolis. Um, primarily made up of uh, consultants who have sat in seats. So very different from some of the bigger guys. Um, all of us have worked in corporate America. We know what it's like when we work with our clients to be on the other side and, you know, generally have a lot of experience in executive level roles and uh, certain subject matter expertise in different practices. Uh, for us, obviously, payments and financial services. Yeah, so uh, let's 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 walk back your career because um, you, you have been um, around payments for a long time. Take us back and when you sat in those seats that you were talking about. Sure. Yeah, so I've probably been in the payment space about 25 plus years. So like you said, a long time. <laughs> Ditto. Not yeah, nearly as long as this guy. I knew you were going to yeah, do that. There it is. Well, definitely longer than you, Nikki. So, Barely. Um, so yeah, so really um, have you know worked in various types of companies within what I call sort of the value chain. So started my career actually originally in HR. So I was a CHRO for a small company that was a jointly owned company between America and Express, and a company based in St. Louis, Missouri, Merits, um, in the incentive uh, in the incentive space, and uh, so came on as CHRO, and then and Nikki will understand as things go in a smaller company, you know, hey, listen, can you take on legal? Maybe you could take on some of our licensing activity, and then you know, all of a sudden they're like, well, we really don't want you in HR anymore. Let's move you into the business. Um, so did that, and um, spent a lot of years there. Um, last role there was COO. And then we sold to Blackhawk Network. So we were the first acquisition that they made in the B2B space. And um, shortly after that, Blackhawk asked if I would be the GM of the B2B division for them and really built that division over about a five-year time frame with probably no less than eight acquisitions. Mm -hmm. So really intense M&A activity, super interesting, a lot of fun, um, a lot of great people there. And so I understand, you know, all the talk about synergies and it's great to say it's harder to actually 
really activate on, but, you know, a lot of great success building that adjacent market for them. Um, then was tapped by um, folks that I knew at MetaBank, so mm. had had a longstanding relationship with them from an issuer perspective, and they were creating a role ahead of payments and asked if I would come on board. Of course, I said, I don't know anything about banking. They said, we'll <laughs> teach you everything you know. Um, and I showed up, and I remember uh, my, the CEO, who was my boss, said, hey, listen, just want to let you know, I'm going to be going to Africa for the next two months, so do your thing. <laughs> so, like, thank you for the introduction. I so I sort of had to teach myself a little bit about banking, particularly the financials, but um, spent about another five years there as head of payments. So ran their payments division, um, once upon a time had a little bit of HR responsibility, and then also for interim times ran their tax and their consumer lending divisions while we were looking for leads in those areas. So hmm. um, decided to leave there when I had a personal move out from the Midwest to California and, um, you know, was kind of, what do I want to do now? And about 30 days later, got a call and said, hey, listen, from the ROIG group who we had worked with at Meta, would you come and potentially start this practice with us? So and here I, I think, am today. I think we missed one step on the ROIG. It stands for? It stands for, so it does not stand for return on investment, which most people think. <laughs> so if you're placing bets, that's mm. not the right one. Mm. It actually stands for Revive, Optimize, Incubate, and Grow. Mm. And this is a framework that we use when we we work with a lot of our clients to determine where they are in terms of the, um, the stage of life cycle that they're in. And what we find is that depending upon where you are, you're going to behave differently in order to be successful. And, you know, obviously we want to move everybody up into the grow category, but, um, you know, a lot of people are not there today. In fact, we just did a bunch of banking research and we found out, well, most banks act like grow organizations, about 55% of them are actually in optimize. Interesting. So uh, some interesting insights there. And so ROIG groups, uh, you and your partner, Shelly, uh, Shelly Schneekloth is my partner in crime, mm -hmm. <laughs> co-lead. You are their first sort of venture into payments and, and fintech, is that right? That is correct. What what drew them to that space? Other than obviously they had a chance to bring in two experts, but what, what and, and I guess I really want to understand what, what crosses over from the other lines of business that works so well in payments? Got it. So, um, yeah, so I would say that they were starting to have some experience. You know, they did a number of a lot of work at MetaBank. Um, and so they had a lot of experience um, from a couple year program there uh, in terms of learning about, you know, the financial side and the banking side of things. And of course, Meta, about 75% of the P&L for a long time there was really based upon payments, you know, a little bit in community banking. And then obviously when we started to, you know, increase the portfolio and we bought the commercial lending division Crestmark, you know, then it sort of e equaled out. So there was a lot of time that they spent with, you know, the payments team, which was the core infrastructure there. Um, um, and I think they thought it was interesting. And, you know, we talked a lot about what was going on in payments and how it had been kind of sleepy. But then mm -hmm. it was sort of waking up with all this in infusion of fintechs and all this innovation was happening and how it became a pretty exciting place. And so I think they thought that, hey, listen, you know, we think this would be a great practice for us to go into, particularly since we have access to some people who have been in senior level roles. Okay. Um, other practices are government, um, retail and manufacturing that are strong with ROIG. Um, there is a little bit of crossover we find with retail as it relates to some of our uh, clients that we work with that have retail presence from a banking perspective. Um, but I would say generally, since we're relatively new, we probably operate uh, a little bit um, uniquely from the rest of the 
the consulting firm, but use a lot of their their frames and a great work that they've developed over you know several years. What are some of the things you're seeing in the short period of time that you've been in ROIG Group? What are some of the patterns you're seeing across payments and fintech as it relates to your clients? I mean, obviously you're here because we're a client of ROIG Group, but just maybe at, at a high level, are there any emerging patterns or things that you're seeing repeat themselves over and over? Yeah, so I mean, I think fintechs have um, entered the space and they've caused what I call positive disruption in the space. So they've gotten everybody excited, rejuvenated. Um, you know, they have a lot to offer. I think there's some really great solutions and services that are coming out of their um, entry into the space for a lot of folks that don't have access to mainstream financial services. Um, but what I'm seeing is it's spinning up a lot of questions from people. You know, should I get into the space? I think I should be in the space you know, um, or I think I should take on a, another role. So, you know, I'm a program manager. I want to become a bank. You know, mm. we've seen some of that with some sure of the fintechs. Do. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, are you really sure mm. about that? Or, you know, banks that are under the $10 billion in mm -hmm. terms of assets um, that understand some of the legacy issuers are starting to bump up against that. And, hey, listen, can we get in on it? Because we have lots of room on our balance sheet. And so um, what I generally find is there's a lot of excitement. There's a lot of moving from I have a concept, now I'm going to move into execution. And they, they really haven't done the right work around strategy and planning. I mean, nor do they really understand some of the foundational work that needs to be done in, in the payment space in order to be, you know, an effective provider. So, Sherry, let's talk a little bit about your work here with Central Payments. We brought you in on the heels of a cap raise um, at a time that most of my uh, peers here thought I was crazy to bring in a consultant given everything else that was going on around us. I hear you. Um, a little bit of a sort of method to my madness was I felt like, you know, we were possibly two heads down uh, and being too myopic on the way in which we were thinking about our growth strategy. And, you know, I wanted to bring in not just a, uh, an experienced consulting group, but then one that understood our business. And obviously, Shelly and you both understand our business really well. What would you say, if you think about companies like Central Payments, early stage companies, um, we're just in year eight. Um, mm -hmm. And I always say we're sort of in year three, if you think about some of the changes that we did back in 2019. What what are you telling clients now that, that are similar to things we've talked about here about, you know, here's what growth looks like. Um, here's the right kind of growth versus other types of growth. I'm just curious about, you know, when you think fintech, you, you have growth on your mind constantly, but there's good growth and bad growth. And maybe that's what, talk a little bit about that. Sure. Yeah, I mean, I think, well, first of all, as you've heard me say, you know, several times, we've really enjoyed the work that we've been doing with you all because, you know, we do deal with a lot of people that are thinking about or looking at coming into the space. And so just their level of knowledge and education, you know, is different than where you guys are. So we don't have to do a lot of teaching to you guys about the space, actually not at all. And we speak, you know, we speak the same language. So that's been really like fun for us just to kind of be able to weave ourselves in as an extension of your team. Um, I mean, I think you're exactly where you should be, you know, uh, I mean, you know, we all, we often talk to early stage people about, you know, do you, do you have a feasible concept? You know, have you proven that you can make money at it? Okay. Now, how are you going to get to scale? Well, first of all, it's very clear with some of the brand names and the clients that you have, that you have a feasible concept. Um, and it has a lot of really unique competitive differentiators, which is obviously great for you and fun for us to be working with you. Um, and then you've proven you can make money, you know, 
and so now for you all, I think we've talked about, you know, it's like, how do we continue to scale and grow um, so we can build upon, you know, the foundation, the strong foundation that we have here? Um, and, you know, frankly, I mean, you do it with, you know, a pretty lean staff. So that's very impressive. And so it's really interesting because I know a lot of you have a banking background, but you're a fintech organization. Mm -hmm. So you have a lot of, again, um, pieces and parts that I think are make you very solid in terms of what you have to offer and being competitive in the marketplace. There's not a lot of other organizations, frankly, that look exactly like you. That's right. So, you know, I think there's some uniqueness there. But, you know, we're not perfect. Um, yeah. And, you know, there's always things we can do better. I'm curious as you think about the way in which companies that – you know, are looking at, because I think right now in fintech, we're experiencing externally a whole lot of changes in the marketplace, mm -hmm. right? The the capital markets have changed drastically. The regulatory climate, we talk about it all the time on fintech brews, um, is, is changing. I don't think I'd say drastically, but it certainly is different. Um, there's a lot of change going on around us. Uh, how are you advising clients to adapt to that and build internal, you know, organizational dynamics that, that, that can be resilient. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think that, um, I mean, I think you're right about that. And, I, you know, we know the fintech dollars have dried up a bit, mm -hmm. you know, or more selective. And then I think the investors are now are watching more carefully, you know, like because we have select amount of dollars, we want to see a faster return. So that more puts more pressure on organizations, you know, to figure out what are the things that I need to do based upon where I'm in my life cycle in terms of making sure that I can effectively scale without, you know, bloating the P&L? Um, and do I have enough growth strategy in the pipeline to really create these expectations and meet them around the financials? Um, and, you know, are there places where I need to increase margin? And so I think everybody's dealing with a little bit different problem depending upon, again, where they are in the, you know, in the life cycle of their organization. All very common things. Um, it's just knowing what that is and effectively planning around it. I also find, and again, we've all been guilty of this, believe me, I sat in seat for a long time, is that organizations generally undervalue the work that it's going to take um, to be, you know, successful in the space and they underplan for it. That's right. um, and so, you know, there's usually a lot of, you know, what we call franticness in an organization, people running around like with scissors in their hands and not really knowing what they're, you know, well-intentioned, but not really knowing what they really need to execute on to be really, you know, rock solid about getting those results. So anyone, anyone who might be listening that finds themselves relating with some of those problems that you've mentioned, what would they do? Uh, when when is the right time for them to engage ROIG? At what point do people typically come to you and say, help, we're struggling with X? Well, I think it depends upon where the organization is. So a lot of times when we have organizations come to us and they want to make a go-no-go no, go, no go decision about moving into the space, you know, they say, okay, well, you know, we need a full-blown assessment. We I said, you know, we sit them down and we said, why don't we just teach you about the space? We've had two clients that we've worked with. We've taught them about the space in a very short amount of time, and they've actually decided not I'm to out. enter. I'm out. Like, this is this is much more challenging and doesn't, doesn't pull any of our core capabilities that we thought, um, you know, we just thought it was just an easier entry to market. So that's a really cool, like, intentionality play because sometimes I think you get your mindset on something. Yes. And then you're like, this is what we're doing. So to take that move and then 
kind of realize that's not the right move for us and then pivot from from that decision that's that takes some maturity it as does. an organization no it absolutely and mm-hmm. it, you know for us in consulting i mean well it's a short-term engagement that's a win yeah. because i mean we're we're really in the business of making sure that we continue to lift up you know the payment space and that we're all doing it in a responsible manner so that you know any any bad thing that happens we know we're all under scrutiny right. and we don't need any more of that you know with all the challenges we've had over the last couple of years so you know so we see those organizations and you know um then we see other organizations, you know, like yourself, like, so they come to us in lots of different places and spaces. Yeah. If you would come to us at the beginning, it would be great. But regardless of when you come to us, we always do, they may come with a very tactical issue. The very first thing we ever always do is pressure test their strategy. Mm-hmm. You know, is your stat strategy complete? Is it robust? Is what you're trying to do going to align with strategy? So if one is, let me, for one second, pull the thread on that a little bit. Where do you most often see the strategy falling short? Is there, is there, are there, what are the one or two things that you seem to be um, repeating over and over again as companies think about strategy? Yeah. So I would say that very common is that people haven't really done a full market assessment. Like is, is, is this concept feasible or not? Like it's very much based upon, we've got a gut feel, this is going to work. And so let's do it. Um, And so there's sometimes struggles with, okay, we probably need more market data, particularly as we're fine-tuning the strategy or the solution or the service. I think the other place is that strategy is developed at the top normally, and it's not well communicated. So people below the senior leadership team are constantly running around saying we have no strategy, which may or may not be the truth, but maybe it just hasn't been communicated. You know, I always say to CEOs, and I've had this said to me once upon a time, you know, just because you say it's so doesn't make it so. <laughs> mm. Hold on, wait, one more. I, let's just pause there for I'm a second. you're not writing um, that right. down. Oh, okay. um, Copious notes by the year. <laughs> interesting. Uh, hopefully everybody caught that because I sure did. Um, And then I would say the third issue is, well, some organizations have a a fantastic, robust strategy in place. They have no discipline around sticking to it. Um, Because, again, it's a very exciting time in the payment space. And sometimes, you know, that opportunity, we don't want to miss out. You know, there's a lot of FOMO going on. Mm -hmm. I need to be part of that initiative. I need to be part of what's going on in the space. This is, you know, this is going to be the billion-dollar revenue opportunity, which, as we all know, for people who have been in the space a while, I think there's very few of those that we've seen over, you know, the last 30 years or so. And so I think there's a lot of those kind of things going on. So trying to build flexibility in the strategy so people aren't boxed, but also so you can maintain some focus is a lot of the work that we do. So you and Shelly recently wrote um, an article titled, Every Company is a Payments Company, How to Ensure FOMO Doesn't Tank Your ROI. What was that endeavor like and what were you aiming to communicate through that? Well, I, you've probably noticed. So, I mean, the, the value chain in payments has, like, grown significantly. I mean, before it was like if you have a program manager, you have a bank, you have a processor, you know, and you have the networks, right? And now there's all these people coming into the space. You've got fintechs, you know, you've got technology providers, you've got, you know, BAS providers, embedded finance, which, by the way, are very loosely defined terms. Mm-hmm. So lots of different companies fall into those areas. And so it's sort of like, you know, people are just popping up and saying, you know, I'm, I'm in financial services, I'm a payments company, and they may be doing some very little pieces and parts, you know, as an extension of the value chain. Um, but I do feel like 
because of that, everybody is like, I need to get into the space. And what they're ignoring is, you know, what are the things that you're good at and what are you not good at? You know, what does it make sense for you to invest in and not invest in? You know, it's sort of like when we saw and it's died down a bit, you know, hey, listen, I'm, I'm a fintech. I'm going to become a bank. Right. Well, to your point earlier, Trent, like, really, you really want to be a bank? Like, it's really hard to be a bank, you know? I always say, like, maybe if your expertise is around customer acquisition and user experience, yes. maybe that's your runway. Maybe right. that's maybe that's where you should Focus. run yeah. and find the experts and surround yourself with the experts to do the rest of it. And Absolutely. so, you know, and, and I think you're right. I think at first everybody said, I think the initially... The, the fintech play was, we are here to displace banks. Yes. Now, uh, and for a lot of reasons, I think everybody's starting to realize that maybe our displacement strategy wasn't right. Maybe this is a little more of a partnership strategy. Yes. Um, and I think that's driving a lot of interest among the banks um, who viewed initially, you know, fintech as either enemies or frenemies, at least. Um, now, all of a sudden, I think it can, it can be mutually beneficial as you think about banks who want to expand product and do different products, um, expand their reach geographically. These are all the things Central did when, they, when, when, we, when we started here. Um, and the fintech saying, hey, I'm going to stay in my comfort, in my lane, if you will. Um, I'm going to acquire customers and I'm going to build really interesting user experience. Old archaic rails let's leave that to the to the folks that have that are comfortable down in that in that level of infrastructure i, I sort of feel that's going to be the future i think, I think that's just where, where this yeah. is going to go and i think it's more exciting than when everybody was fighting each other to say i'm going to you know i'm going to displace jp morgan because i'm this neobank uh, you hit the nail on the head trent i mean i 100 percent support that and so you know a lot of people ask us well you know do you think i should build all these capabilities you know and again we go back to like what are your core capabilities and run with that um and then hire the you know other subject matter expertise experts in in organizations to you know support you for, through a you know partnership program um, knowing what you're good at and what you're not good at, um, yeah, Nikki, 100%. To, yeah, hundred percent mm -hmm. is like it, it, what you're not good at is part of your strategy. That's right. Um, and don't overly invest in those areas. There's too many other people that are really good at those things that can support you in a really effective way. I kind of I went to a conference out in Seattle not that long ago, and it was it was really interesting, and it has stuck with me because it was back when payments and fintech was really emerging a, a number of years ago. This idea of we're going to build whenever humanly possible, mm. then we. We will um, buy if we need to, and last is partner. And the the message was that has been completely flipped on its head, and now it's partner whenever possible, buy next, and absolutely last is build. And partially because the speed in which this industry is going, if you try to build everything, you will absolutely get passed by, and that technology will become outdated very very quickly. And so one of the things Falls FinTech has even taught us is that that message of what you just talked about, Trent, of fintech companies broadly being really good at customer identification, ideal customer profiles, business process mapping, and what they're really good at as far as building their app, that there's a level of of pride that has to be set aside to say, I could do all that stuff, but I'm not going to do all that stuff. I'm going to partner with the right bank, the right 
program manager, the right payments company to do all the things that I'm not uniquely qualified to do. So I, I really appreciate that you guys are directing people in that same way. That that makes a ton of sense. So one of the things that you said earlier, Sherry, that I thought was interesting is ROIG Group has this, you said, we've all sat in those seats. Mm -hmm. Can you go a little bit more about that being part of your value proposition? How has that functionally differentiated you guys from other consulting groups, if you will? Yeah. So, I mean, I think that, um, I, I mean, we understand the pressures of corporate America, you know, whether you're publicly owned, you're privately owned, you've got to get stuff done. You know, a lot of the bigger consulting firms that, you know, we have certainly worked beside in clients, um, you know, they're very much focused on let's develop a strategy and a plan, but it's not necessarily really practical, mm -hmm. nor does it generally get put into execution. So we actually like to stay with our clients if we're doing strategy and planning work through some of the, at least in initial execution. Um, and we really work as an extension of the team. We're not there to do the work for them. We're there to do the work with them. Mm. Um, but, you know, we're all about value accelerated. You don't have a lot of time in a day, in a week, in a month, in a year, you know, to meet goals. And so how do we often use the, the term slow down to speed up? Let's slow down for just a short amount of time, get, you know, our strategy or plan in place, and then let's just speed up through execution. And we have learned over time and through a lot of research, you know, what kind of components and levers that we need to pull and help our cl clients pull in order to, um, you know, maneuver through that slowdown period pretty quickly and then get to exe effective execution in the right way. Um, so, yeah, it, it, it's been a, um, it's been an I I interesting experience, but, I, you know, I, I, I mean, I understand, you know, when the CEO is saying something, you know, the pressures have had those same pressures, you know, right. most, again, of the consultants at ROIG have experienced a lot of things that you guys are experiencing mm -hmm. on, on a day to day basis. So we understand the practicality of sometimes, you know, the things that you're doing and what we're asking. Yeah, it's rare in engagements, whether it's ours, and I'm sure others are the same, where um, you have an opportunity to bring in a true peer um, who, who you know has been around as long as I have and understands the space so well. Battle scars. Battle <laughs> yeah. scars, a yeah, battle exactly. Scars. Uh -huh. But I mean, understands um, the uh, relationship up, whether that's to uh, investors or to regulators, et cetera, as well as relationships down to the rest of the organization that we're talking about. It's a rare, it's a rare boutique opportunity that I know from from the client perspective, you know, we had we we needed that, and and I'm sure you know many others find themselves in this in the same spot. So, you know, I know I told you earlier today it was it, it was a tremendous value to have you part of Central Payments over what really has been like the last four months, probably. Mm -hmm. Sherry, just a bit ago, you had talked about ROIG is engaged with fintech companies or anybody thinking about getting into the payment space, and you've helped them, even if it was a short engagement, go to the, yeah, this isn't right for us. Can you share an example of when you've had that same assessment and people said, okay, and you've determined that it is right, or they've determined it is right for them? What does that next step look like for them? How have you guided them to continue on that path to enter payments? Yeah. So typically if, um, you know, they're particularly if they're leaning heavily towards a go, um, you know, we try to get them there, you know, versus totally dissuading them. Um, and so we do a, an assessment, which, you know, generally we like to spend 12 weeks, but from a practicality pers perspective, they've already started to maybe trigger on a few little execution things in a non-sequenced way. So we try to speed up that assessment. And of course, again, we, we pressure trust the enterprise strategy, 
check that box. Yes, this will fit. Um, you know, is there any semblance of a plan or how is this going to fit into the plan without taxing the rest of the organization and the rest of the portfolio? We talk a little bit about that. Um, and then, you know, typically what happens is either they're in bin sponsorship um, but at a very low level, they're in spin sponsorship, but in a completely different area than you know where they want to be, or they're not in bin sponsorship yet, and so they need to understand more about you know um, how do I get there, and so typically we'll work with them to build a roadmap. These organizations and these banks normally have some existing infrastructure and the financial wherewithal to make the investment and to utilize sort of, you know, existing operations. Um, we have worked with some that have started from scratch. That is a much longer, you know, poll in terms to getting into market and playing the role that they want to. But with those that have some level of robustness around, you know, infrastructure, they're willing to make some investments, then we typically will work with them to put together a three-year plan. Mm. Um, because of course, as we know, you can't, not everything gets done overnight, nor do you have the money to do that <laughs> go ahead just making sure you heard that one too uh not everything happens overnight and so how do we you know instead of trying to eat the elephant how right. do we take one bite at a time and we typically will plan them work with them in, in segments of 100 days okay what are we going to do in the first 100 days the next 100 days and probably one of the most important things about the roadmap that we work on with them is the sequencing because what they don't understand is you know like they're out like they know i need to talk to a network i need to talk to a bank or i need to talk to this you know all these people i need to talk the regulators, but they don't really know how to sequence that. So they tend to, if they start executing before we get there, create a lot of rework for themselves. So we try to unwind that a little bit and get the, you know, get the 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 table set appropriately for how do I sequence these things so that I can again slow down to then run fast. I know last night we were talking at dinner about when I spend time with banks that are considering an entrance into fintech or payments. Uh, I say you know. Can you see yourself or your organization building product and or building user experience without your core processing platform? Mm. If you can't imagine doing either one of those without your core, this is going to be a long road to hoe. If, however, you don't feel beholden to your core or you could envision that you actually could do this with the right amount of assistance, um, then I think you've, you've got the right mentality. And I think it's that line so often that I find, and it goes back to this idea, we've talked about this on the show, D dependence on the core processing platforms. Um, if, you're, if you have complete dependence, even sort of a mental organizational dependence, FinTech's gonna be really, really hard to do because I think fin one of the reasons FinTech has been so successful is that they, they've been built without dependence on the cores. No, I think that's actually a great point because one of the things that we're starting to see more and more is um, sort of credit unions and community banks very interested in getting into this space. And uh, they're concerned about becoming irrelevant, you know, because everybody's working with fintechs and now they need to be working with fintechs. And they're trying to figure out how to do that. And so they think payments is like the perfect solution. But that's the thing that, that ke they keep getting caught up in. Like they can't get out of their own way in terms of their core. And it's got to ride on our core. And it's got to, you know, be integrated to our core. And again, to your point, I mean, you've got to have agility here. You know, when you have a fintech as a, as a partner, and you guys know this better than anyone, they want to be in market 
yesterday. That's right. By the way, they know nothing about the space. They want to be in market yesterday, right? And so, um, so I, I think that unless they figure out this core issue, which now there's an, a lot of providers that can help bridge the gap there um, that they're going to have to partner with, I, I think unless they are willing to do that, then they are. it's going to be very limiting for them. Yeah. So I think that's an excellent point, actually, in terms of criteria. Well, look, I think anybody anybody that's on the podcast or listening to the podcast, if you are find yourself in this spot where you're thinking about where your organization fits in in the fintech ecosystem, uh, the first call uh, to be should be to Sherry or Shelley, mm -hmm. um, because I think uh, for somebody to come in who has sat in the seats and can kind of help you lay a plan out and and help you sort of. Um, hopefully miss a lot of the bumps in the road that all the rest of us have hit, um, it's going to be critical for your success. Yeah, I agree. And actually that shoehorns nicely into the thing that's been rattling around in my head as you've been talking today is there is a natural tendencies, especially entrepreneurs, they want to go fast. They want to go now. They want to, to your point, be in market yesterday. And intentionality takes time. A strategic plan takes intentionality. How do you help entrepreneurs who are so twitchy and want to be in market yesterday and have so much concern around the hustle and the race that it is crucial to take a step back, do the intentional hard work because the results are so much greater? How do you convince somebody with that mindset that you do need to, in fact, slow down in order to go fast. Yes. Yeah, so actually, I have been working with an organization that's all of four employees, um, and one of them is the primary investor, and you know, also the CEO, and also, 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 right? Because mm -hmm. you know, you wear many hats. And, uh, you know, the other three employees were really being very vocal with him about the fact that, like, we can't consume this all. Like, we're trying to get our first client. We're trying to build a platform at the same time. You know, we're trying to do X, Y, and Z, get, you know, get a new bank, get a new, you know, distributor, everything all at once, right? And so, you know, I don't, we don't do large scale. Strategy is still important to them and really understanding, like, what are the key things that we're going to do and what are we not going to do? But we do it on a much smaller scale. You know, I spent the day with them and they basically told, told me, I said, here's the frames. What do you guys have going on? And we kind of went through everything and they made like three decisions. We're going to do these three things. We're not going to do these three things for the next six months. Can we all commit to that? We can all commit to that. Okay, great. Uh, you're not going to do, again, robust, large-scale strategy and planning with four people that is an organization that literally is still in feasibility. You know, they've been in business probably five months, hugely successful already, which is, you know, obviously lighting up the entrepreneur, investor, and CEO, right? He's like, just go, go, go. And so he agreed to do a couple things. The team agreed to move a little bit faster on some of the implementations, but like, Literally, three things we're going to do and three things we're not going to do. We're going to just put off and we're not going to discuss until we get through, you know, these three things. Mm -hmm. And that's the way it is here, too, because I'm always telling Nikki, you got to stay more focused. Nikki. <laughs> you got to keep your head down and <laughs> quit being distracted by the shiny objects would, out would here. Would spilling his coffee on him be an okay idea or a bad <laughs> idea? Is that, I'm just checking on that. I just, I'm confused over uh -huh. here. I'm not reading you that way, Nikki, but okay. I'm going to go with it. One thing I have found in this engagement is you guys are not all theoretical. There are so much practical elements that come out of it. And I find that um, 
it, although I don't sit on the entrepreneurial kind of naturally always coming up with ideas and always go, go, go. It, there is there is a tendency to go, oh, theoretical, we could live in that playground forever. But practically, you do speed up the game because you have such practical outputs. And I find that extremely beneficial, too. So thank you for that. Oh, well, thank you yeah. very much. I appreciate that. And and in addition, uh, thanks for joining us today. This has been great. And I think... Thanks uh, for inviting me. This is so much yeah. fun being with you guys. It's awesome. If anybody wanted to reach out to you, what's the best place to find ROIG Group, get a hold of you directly, Shelly directly? How does somebody do that? So go on our website www.theroiggroup.com um, or you could reach out directly to Shelly or Sherry uh, Sherry, myself or Shelly um, and uh, it's sherry.thornsbury at theroiggroup.com so, or you can call Nikki and Trent you and they can us. give you my number absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. That. that's exactly right well thank you so much I think you gave everybody a ton to chew on and think about and a ton of ahas throughout uh, the conversation so thanks to both of you mm-hmm. thank you there you have it We hope you enjoyed this episode of FinTech Brews and News. Keep up with all the content and cool stuff happening at Falls FinTech and Central Payments by checking out our website, our YouTube channel, LinkedIn, and Twitter. Subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss out on our next episode. I'm Nikki Roby. And I'm Trent Sorby. See you next time. Cheers. Cheers.